0: I couldn't imagine life without being able to draw or colour. I couldn't imagine it. I just, it would just make such a huge hole in my life. I, I get excited. Walking into an art shop is like walking into a sweet shop for me. You know, it just I want to touch and look at everything. And I've been like that since I was like eight years old.
1: Name? Peter Hewitt. Age? Um,
0: well, officially, unofficially I'm 25, but I've been 25 for 27 years now.
1: <laughs> Family?
0: Uh, I have, um, my husband, hubby, uh, who uh, helps to edit my, well, he does all the editing of my videos. I have three children. My eldest son is 24, Ryan. He is a, a, a um, carpenter. I've got my middle son, Chayton, who's studying to be a, um, Software developer, and my daughter Kira, who's hoping to go into uh, event planning. She's currently working, and waiting for a course to come up. And we have two dogs, uh, little Loki and Ember. They're Skip keys, and I have two um, blue tongue lizards as well. That's Syndragosa and Aragos. Where do you live? I'm in Geelong, which is a city just southwest of Melbourne in Victoria, Australia.
1: Favourite colouring book?
0: Favourite colouring book. It changes all the time. Uh, I love anything by Hannah Carlson or anything by Joanna Basford. I love Kirby Roseanne's um, books as well. I think out of his, I love Mythomorphia. Uh who else? Oh, Lizzie Mary Cullen. Um, she was he, my baptism into coloring uh, when I was oh, about four years ago, three years ago. No, three years ago uh, my birthday was coming up and my son asked me what I wanted for my birthday. And I'd heard about this coloring book thing. And I said, well, just buy me a coloring book. Uh, I knew he was not very financial at the time, so I didn't want to put a lot of pressure on him. And um, so he went into Dimox, which is a local bookstore, and he didn't know which one to pick. So he started taking pictures of some of the insides of the coloring books they had there, and I picked uh, Lizzie Mary Cullen's The Magical City. And that
1: was the start of it. And favorite pencils?
0: Um, has to be Faber-Castell Polychromus. But I've recently, my husband bought me, surprised me with a pack of faber Gold Faber, and I'm kind of loving them too, but uh, Faber-Castell Polychromes has to be my favorite. Coffee or tea? Tea, definitely. English breakfast or Melbourne breakfast.
1: Hello, Coloring Book friends, and welcome to a new episode of Passionista Colorista podcast. And welcome today's guest, Peter Hewitt. Hello. (laughs) Hello. So, before we start, I know you have had some health issues. I think people want to know, how are you today?
0: Um, Actually, I am on the mend. I'm I'm quite happy to discuss those. I've never really uh, put them in a YouTube video or spoken to them on my, um, my blog site, spoken about them on my blog site. But if... Yeah, people know I've got nothing to hide. I'm quite happy to speak about them. I had a workplace accident in 2016, around about the middle of the year, and I didn't realize at the time just how serious the injury was. I'm sort of one of these people that just, you know, buggers on. I just... Anything, you know, you wake up in the morning, you don't feel 100%. You just get up and do, and eventually most things will just fix themselves. And that was my mindset for many months, but it was getting worse and worse, and I was having problems walking or moving around. And um, I saw my uh, doctor. We had uh, x-rays done, and it looked like I had a bit of osteoarthritis in my hips, and we put the pain that I was experiencing down to that. And um, I thought, oh, well, I'll just have to, you know, wait it out and rock the middle hips in a couple of years' time. But uh, as it turned out, it wasn't my hips at all. And, um, but I didn't know that at the time. So I had to keep going back to the doctor for stronger and stronger pain medications so that I could work my shifts and do my housework and be a mother. And by the time we got to June, I'd reached the stage where I actually couldn't stand up for more than about 15, 30 seconds without experiencing Ooh pain that felt like um, like the whole lower half of my body was being twisted and crushed in a vice. It was, it was like I've had three children and this pain was nothing like that. <laughs> um, so I thought, well, this is all related to that workplace accident. It's serious now. I can't go back to work like this. So I went and saw my workplace doctor. And I had an MRI done and we found that I had um, damaged my back and the, um, some of my nerves were being squished, which was causing the intense pain down my legs. Now, a lot of the treatment for that was just um, to keep the pain at bay, reduce the swelling, and let my body heal itself. They uh, don't jump into surgery with these kind of things unless you've got a loss of sensation or loss of movement in your lower limbs. And I didn't have that. In fact, I had a bit too much sensation in my lower limbs. So uh, we. Oh, the other thing that he did was he referred me to a new, brand new local hospital, the Epworth Geelong, to a um, clinic called the Pain Pain Matrix, which specializes in pain control. And uh, the referral for was Dr. Jacqueline Nash, who is marvelous in her field. She specializes in pain control. So I started seeing her. By this time, by the way, I was in a wheelchair because I simply couldn't walk. Uh, I could stag around the house for, you know, a minute or two. That was tops. But to go out or do anything, I had to be in a wheelchair. So we were renting one of those. And um, so I started seeing Jacqueline Nash. She said, first of all, my injury has got to heal. So I've got to rest and let that injury heal. And then we'll see what we've got after that. And unfortunately, I ended up with a rare complication. Because I was in so much pain for such an extended period of time, the nerve pathways that govern that pain had thickened and strengthened and they wouldn't turn off. They were permanently turned on, which meant that um, my body just thought being in pain when I stood up was normal. And uh, even though the original um, injury to my back had repaired itself. The pain still remained. It's called persistent pain syndrome. It can also lead to um, CRPS, which uh, which is chronic regional pain syndrome, which is extremely severe and happens to people who have been in this state for a long time, for an extended period of time. So again, it was a lot of medication, a lot of therapy. Now, the reason my uh online presence dropped off at that stage was partially because of the pain. I couldn't sit for very long to do anything and partially because the medications that I had to take for the pain was doing crazy things to my head. In fact, my husband said it was like he was living with a totally different person during that period of time. So I couldn't concentrate long enough to string three words together. Well, I could, but you know, it. I tried filming a couple of times, but I just rambled, and it was it was useless footage. So we thought, well, this I can't do it. I just can't. I've just got to wait until this situation resolves itself before I um, I, I try to get back online again and uh, continue with you know, my coloring online. So the pain persisted, and one day in November, no late October, that's right, I woke up and all the pain had gone from one half of my body, but the other half was still in pain. It was like a switch just switched, and this pain wouldn't go away. So my doctor, Dr. Jacqueline Nash, she uh, admitted me to Epworth Hospital for a week for a week's um, subcutaneous therapy with a drug called ketamine. Ketamine is a drug which is used in anesthesia, it's also used as a horse sedative. People might recognise that if they've got horses, and um, it has this uh, property that if you give it in a moderate dose—not enough to knock you out, but enough to give you a bit of a a bit of a buzz actually mentally—it um, actually helps to block the pain pathway. It's not a cure. It's a long-acting analgesia, and it can act for, you know, three, six, nine months after you've had it. Now, that was a game-changer for me. Um, When I left that hospital seven days later, I could stand and walk for about four minutes. And when you've not been able to walk for, you know, more than 30 seconds, four minutes is just so marvellous. Mm. (laughs) It was wonderful. Anyway, so that and during that time, my job was to teach my body not to feel pain anymore. And that was to I could get up, I could walk. For if I, if, I, if the pain started at four minutes, then I had to stop doing what I was doing at three and a half minutes and sit down again until I had my re- or lie down until I had my rest period, and basically stretch that time out over time. And it's it's a very long, exhausting process when you've got to live your life virtually by a watch you know, um, to to keep the pain away. Anyway, I stretched it out to about six minutes, and then I went back for another um, uh, ketamine infusion in March. And that uh, gave me another leap forward, and I can now walk for 11 minutes without pain. And after that, I've just um, continued on the... uh, the, the cycle of walking and then stopping before the pain started or doing what I do and stopping before the pain started. And now I have stretched it out pretty much all the way. My husband and I went for a two-and-a-half-hour walk up a mountain today. <laughs> so, wow. So it's been a fantastic recovery for me and it's I'm so blessed and I'm so grateful because I know that it could very easily have gone the other way and I could have developed CRPS in, in its full and awful form but um, we're aiming we were aiming for full recovery and that's I'm on the way to that. I still have some residual pain in my back, and we're dealing with that at present, so I'm still a bit limited with what I can do, and there are some weeks where I just I would, I'd love to be able to put a video out every week or twice a week, but at present I'm pretty limited to how long I can sit down and make one, so some weeks I can and some weeks I can't. but my doctor reassures me we will get full recovery. We've just got to stick with the plan so that that is the huge and awful terrifying story of what happened to me, and I'd never in a million years considered that that could ever happen to me, and yet it did.
1: But how much, I mean, you have a lot of followers and people that love your work, and you are very mm. popular in the community. Did you get a lot of messages and people contacting you, asking how you were? Yes, yes.
0: Yes, I did a lot, and unfortunately, I would love to have answered them all, but I couldn't. I just couldn't sit down long enough to be able to type in the answers. But uh, I, I had a. I've only had support from the community. They've been absolutely wonderful. In the messages that I've read, all of them, and it, it's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. No, I, I felt very supported by the colouring
1: community throughout this. Even though
0: I know they didn't know what was going on, they still, you know, were supporting me. Mm-hmm
1: but how was it when you I mean I can understand you said that to be able to walk for four minutes uh, was fantastic but how was it when you could start coloring again or could you do that throughout the process
0: oh I'm kind of addicted to coloring so I could do little bits you know I could do 15 minutes here or you know 20 minutes there as long as I took breaks in between I could do little bits so my Uh, occasionally I would um, load something up onto my Instagram account just to let everybody know I'm I'm still alive, (laughs) I'm still colouring but it was, um, I could probably only do maybe one twentieth of what I normally would do but it's good. I'm I'm at the stage now where I can just about do about 80% of what I would normally do in colouring now, still being mindful of keeping my pain levels down so that um, I don't, you know, spark off the whole cycle again.
1: But how did this coloring book thing start for you?
0: Oh, that was the, uh, the book from Ryan, my um, eldest son, who bought me a coloring book for my birthday three years ago. It was the fantastic, and I still love it so much, uh, The Magical City by Lizzie Mary Cullen. And the first double-page spread I did with polychromos, and then I eyed my um, ink-tense pencils, my do and ink-tense pencils. I, I, I'm a love affair with the ink-tense pencils, and I've used them for years. And I thought, I wonder if this paper would take it. So I did one picture with it, and thought, that's it. I'm going to colour the rest of the book in ink-tense pencils because this is just marvellous, and it was so so much fun. And um, after that, uh, my husband brought home, uh, let's think. Oh yes, Enchanted Forest. Um, I didn't know anything about Joanna Basford at the time and I saw this book and thought, oh wow, this is just marvellous. And also uh, Millie Marotta's uh, first book as well, Animal Kingdom. And uh, I launched into those and then my collection
1: has just grown ever since. Mm-hmm. But how much, I mean, what is your background? You said you had used inktense. You have this art background?
0: Uh, I've got. I have had no formal training in art. Um, I'm mostly self-taught, uh, and I uh, like to read books, look online for techniques, etc., etc. Um, I'm sorry. Can you excuse me just a minute? My dog is scratching at the door. I'll have to let him in. He'll be scratching away all through the interview. I'm back in two seconds.
1: Oh, of course. Mm-hmm.
0: Back again. Now, as I was saying, um, I've been drawing basically since I could hold a pencil, and I love creating art. Now, not many people may not know this, but I also have a, a online webcomic called New. that's T-E-R-I-N-U, and uh, uh, it's on hiatus at present because colouring's kind of taken over, but I've got about 24 chapters up on the website at www.terranew.com if you want to see what else I do mm-hmm.
1: cool so you you don't have any art school but you have just did it all your life Yep, yeah, just just self-taught Yep. Mm-hmm. and what is it about the creative process the sitting down with the pens pencils that you like
0: I couldn't imagine life without being able to draw or colour. I couldn't imagine it. I just, it would just make such a huge hole in my life. I, I get excited. Walking into an art shop is like walking into a sweet shop for me. You know, it just I want to touch and look at everything. And I've been like that since I was like eight years old. So I, I'm just, it, it's my thing. I'm very attracted to it. I identify myself as a self-taught artist. You know, that's, that is my personality that's who I am and um, I love it I have filled up oh, oodles of sketchbooks and paintings and drawings and uh, yeah my husband is very tolerant
1: <laughs> but he doesn't color with you
0: my husband is colorblind oh <laughs> yes when he does the videos when he we're trying to tweak the colors to make sure that the colors are uh, match you know, are right uh, because different changing light conditions. I have a rig set up uh, on a table where I film from, but um, it it makes the the pictures a bit yellowish. So we had to we have to sort of like adjust it. And he calls me over to do that, and I do the color correction uh, before he goes ahead with the renders. <laughs> I've, I've asked him if he wants to sit down and color with me. I think it would make a very, very interesting video. If one day we said, like, you know, hubby does what wife does, you know, I've seen yeah. those kind of videos on YouTube, and get him to sit down and color. But give him pencils that don't have the names of the colors on them. I think <laughs> that would that would look very interesting.
1: <laughs> But I'm how... being mean here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a bit fun to, to think about. But how did how did uh, the YouTube channel start? Why did you start a film and post it? And oh. Start... oh,
0: yes, there is a story to this. Um, when I started coloring, I thought I'll look on YouTube and see, you know, what everybody else is doing. And I looked on YouTube and all I could see was... Secret Garden, Secret Garden, Secret Garden. I thought oh, Secret Garden's a gorgeous book and it well and truly deserves all the fame that it's got. But there was nothing else, and I was in a colouring group on Facebook at the time, and I typed in one day, "Why isn't there any other YouTube videos about other books? Why isn't it only um, Secret Garden?" And one dear lady, and I cannot remember her name. I'm so sorry. Um, uh, challenged me. She said, "Well, you put one up then." And I thought. Oh, I guess I could. <laughs> so I got my phone and I sat at my desk or stood at my desk. I had to stand up. I had my phone in my left hand and I had the, uh, uh, the magical city down on the desk and I was flipping through it and um, filming it and my hand was getting shakier and shakier because it took about 11 minutes. And I thought, oh, great, I filmed it. I can put it up and I checked it and it was all upside down. And I didn't, <laughs> so I had to film it again, <laughs> and that was my very first video. So I, uh, for quite a few of them, I filmed with my phone. I think the first three or four, and then my husband set up a kind of a rig with an old tripod, and that worked for a while. And then one day, I got up after I worked night shifts. Sorry, I got up after my um day sleep and he had built this great big beautiful wooden rig with two huge lights down either side and a post for the camera to sit in the middle and i've been using that
1: one ever since he sounds very uh, very important for what you're doing with the coloring uh he has been so supportive but he's
0: always been supportive he he loves the idea that he's married to somebody who's creative and uh he, he's been absolutely wonderful. Every time I say, Oh, I really like the look of those colouring pencils, he kind of rolls his eyes and says, Not another lot of pencils, and then goes out and buys them for me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, could you imagine that your channel and that you would be this big and huge in the community? not in a billion years. Seriously, I was stunned. We were
0: watching the views go up um, with the first couple of videos and uh, at nighttime, we'd sort of like we had a television set up in our bedroom and we'd just um, uh, log into my um, YouTube page and just watch all the statistics going up <laughs> with people watching my, my videos and it was amazing. I had never in a million years of thought that it would be so popular. And I'm I'm not really sure why because there are so many brilliant colorists on YouTube and some of them, you know, they run circles around me coloring-wise. I feel a bit amateur when I see some of the stuff that goes up there. So, I don't really understand why mine is, you know, so popular.
1: Um they all deserve to be. But what are people telling you? Why do do they like? I mean, I could tell what I like about them, but but what are people telling you? I think it's because when I explain something, when I'm doing
0: a tutorial, I, I go into excruciating detail about everything, my thought process, how to apply the colors, light or heavy, what I'm doing, how I choose the next colors, that sort of thing. And I think maybe that's might be something to do with it. Because my aim with my channel isn't just to show you, uh, you know, do a color sort of tutorial where I show you how to colour this picture using my colours. What I, what I aim to do, and I particularly use the uh, grasshopper picture from one of Hannah Carlson's books to demonstrate this, is to teach people how to choose their own colours and, you know, design their own individual, uh, you know, unique works without having to refer to a a tutorial that they can go off and take all these skills that I'm teaching them and just do what they want to do with it. I I get a lot of questions uh, asking how do I choose colors. So the the first um, video in that particular tutorial series was just all about how to go about choosing colors. And how to design your page, you know, by making little thumbnails to choose where exactly the colors are going to go. So you could see it was all going to work before you put your first line of pencil down on your page.
1: So of course I have to ask that question here too. How do you choose colors for your pages? <laughs> um,
0: yeah, well, most of the time I actually do have a plan. It when I when I'm choosing a book to color in. I'll um, flick through the pictures and I wait till one speaks to me and shows me what colours it's supposed to be. It's very um, intuitive sort of thing, and and when I get a I look at a picture and I think and I've got a firm sort of image of what colours it needs to be, and then I can dive in and colour it. Uh, the other methods that I use is that I will look up. Um, Uh, sets of colours, I think you can go uh, online and look up colour palettes if I'm a bit stuck and I'll just flick through some of those until I find one that appeals to me and seems to match a particular picture I want to work on and I'll use that and the other method which is, I've actually got to do a YouTube video about this, is I take all the pencils and I dump them into a container and I rattle them round and I close my eyes, or wear a blindfold and I pull out you know, eight pencils and I've got a colour with those eight. Ah. That really pushes your creative boundaries. It's a lot of fun because you think, oh, I just need another pink or, you know. (laughs) ah. But it's good. It's a lot of fun. And you can sometimes surprise yourself with what you come up with when you're pushed like that.
1: Because you seem to challenge yourself quite a lot of times with this uh, limited palette thing. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a
0: lot of fun. I got the idea from, um, a long time YouTube, uh, meme, which is, uh, three color challenge and artists who produce their own pictures and talking about colors here, but artists who work with Copic markers, which is a, an excellent brand of alcohol markers, have a challenge where they have to do exactly the same thing and randomly select three colors of Copic markers and then color their own artwork with it. And that's that's where I got the idea. I've actually done the challenge myself, and I ended up what colors? I ended up with a very light um, flesh coloured, a very light lilac, and a super dark brown. I thought, oh my goodness, what am I going to do with this? But I, I made it work in the end. I think there's a, a it's up on YouTube as well that video. <laughs> <laughs> because
1: that, that doesn't sound like perfect match.
0: It was terrible because I had two very light desaturated colors and then one super dark, almost black (laughs) shade of brown. And uh, usually if you get three colors, you can sort of mix them to create more colors. But I couldn't do a thing with this. I, but I stuck to my guns. That was what um, fate gave me, and that was what I was going to use. And it, as I said, it does stretch your creativity, and it's fun and exciting. The other thing is, when you've only got a few pencils to work with, you're not constantly wasting time, sort of like sorting through your, your you know, 160 set of pencils trying to choose a colour because they're already chosen. Now you've got to make it work. So you actually work
1: a bit faster. But don't you ever get tempted to pick in some more colors? Uh, Yes, terribly. (laughs) It depends how good I'm being.
0: Um, My rule is if I complete the whole thing with the colors I've got, if I absolutely can't sit on it, if I absolutely have to do something, I'm allowed to choose another color at the end to add to it. But I've got to do my absolute best with the colors that I've um, been, fate's dealt me first to see if I can make it work.
1: Can you describe the feeling you are having when you sit and colour?
0: It's very meditative. Um, I think this is what attracts me to colouring because I get the same feeling when I am doing my own artwork as well. I I feel extremely calm. Um, It's very, very good for pain control. I found that um, I could use colouring as long as I was careful. I could use colouring to control my pain. And... um, I just I, I meditate. My mind drifts away sometimes or at other times I feel like listening to something. So I'll listen to one of my podcasts or an audio book. I don't tend to color with in front of the television because I find the, um, the visuals is too distracting. I keep looking up and then I start watching television and I stop coloring. So it's audio, audio things that I listen to. Usually podcasts or um, or books. I'm currently listening to uh, the Dresden Files at present, um, which are fantastic. It's kind of like Harry Potter meets um, Gumshoe Detective.
1: Do you have a cup of tea next to you when you're colouring? Yep, I chain drink
0: cups of tea, and I've I've changed it out a little bit because I worked out I was drinking about eight cups of tea a day, a bit much. So now now I can only have one at break, morning, one in you know in the afternoon, and one in the evening, and that's um, tea with tea bags. And the rest of the time I drink herbal teas because I think they're pretty fa- uh, safe. They're just flavored hot water. But uh, the thing that I drink the most is water. I, I always have a, a big bottle of water with me, nowhere, no matter where I am.
1: I have always wondered. I mean, I live in a quite dry country, but how is the books uh, working in a hot and a hot country with a lot of humidity?
0: Uh, oh yeah we don't get so much humidity down here in geelong we we are near the coast and we're in the bottom of Australia we're just across the the pond from tasmania uh so it we don't get we do get humid days in summer but it's not um constant We do get cold weather during during winter in fact um we have extremely variable temperature in Geelong. We have a saying here that if you don't like the weather come back in thirty minutes because it's always changing. <laughs> So, so it's not bad. During the very hot days, I've got the air conditioner running, and I have a glove sort of thing that um, is used for digital artists who are working on a pad. It sort of covers your ring finger and your little finger, but leaves your other two fingers and your thumb out. So that stops the perspiration from damaging the paper underneath. So, but on on the on the. Absolutely excruciating hot days. Unless I can get the air conditioner pumped up all the way, uh, I don't color. In winter, uh, we have the opposite problem. It's cold. So I have some mittens. uh, What do they call them? Gauntlets. They're fingerless kind of glove things. And I wear those. because it gets a bit cold. So we, ha- we have a lot of variation in the temperature. Uh, with the humidity, if there is high humidity, I don't color at all because I believe the humidity affects the laydown of the pencils. So uh, I don't do it. And I think the humidity slightly dampens the paper. Um, so I, I, I don't because I feel that it would uh, be detrimental to the, you know, uh, creating a really good piece of um, coloring. Mm-hmm.
1: But how many colouring books do you have now? Oh, um, <laughs> uh,
0: mm, oh goodness. Uh, I have, well, let's say I've got about, hang on, um, I'm sitting at my desk at present and all the colouring books that I regularly colour in I keep on my desk and then I have a shelf on the bookshelf in the family room which is just all colouring books. I uh, would be between 100 and 120. Um, yeah. Some, uh, uh, a number of them I've been sent to review and a lot of them are gifts as well. Uh, but, uh, out of them all, I mean, I love them all. They're all marvellous, but I've decided that I will, for the most part, concentrate my colouring in a selection of about 25 books. And some of them are, um, uh, I, don't, I won't start in until I've – when it's a series by the same artist, I try to complete everything in the first book before I move to the second book and so on. So Dagdramar, I'm only coloring in Dagdramar. The only pictures I've, I've colored in the other five books of Hannah Carlson's are ones that I've had done for um, tutorials or speed colorings. The, actually, I really – I have broken that rule, though, because uh, Joanna Bassford's, I as soon as I get it, I have to color in something. And the same with um, Kirby Roseanne's series as well. I have to, as soon as I get one, it's, oh, this is even better than the
1: last, and I have to color in something. But have you actually finished the book?
0: No. Um, I'm about a third of the way through Daydrama. Um and probably about the same with The Magical City and about a quarter done with um, The Enchanted Forest. There, are the three main ones that I'm colouring in. I've also got a side project going with uh, Marjorie Sarnett's Creative Cats, which is published by Dover Publications. It's a um, project where I thought I would test all of my pencils by doing one, uh, picture in each book with a different set of pencils so that I could compare how the brands worked on Dover paper and um, with keeping in mind that different pencils will react uh, in different ways on different paper. For example, in the Jasmine Beckett Griffith books, I find that uh, Prismacolors are my favourite colours to work with in there. They're just, the, the paper and Prismacolors are just a marriage made in heaven, but I don't like Prismacolors in Joanna Bassford's books. So it depends on which book I'm working in as to what pencils that um, I found for myself are most suited. So, but in, in any case, I wanted to do this um, comparison in Creative Cats of all my pencils, just, just, yeah. Just curiosity, really. I think when I'm done, I will probably put a video up about it just to um, share what I found with other people.
1: (laughs) How many pages have you done so far?
0: I'm about, I'm almost a third of the way through the book now. I mean, it's, it's slowed down, of course, with my inability to, um, colour for very long periods of time, though that's resolving itself now. So it, it, the experiment is picking up, so I'm hoping to have it done by maybe mid next year, because I'm not only colouring in Creative Cats, I want to colour in other books as well. At uh, present, I've got my coloring book open to me. i read a Rita Berman book, and I'm going to completely butcher the title. Um, my German teacher would kill me. Um, Die Welt unter der Lupe Zulande. And um, I'm working on the beehive picture at present using my Faber-Castell uh, gold Faber pencils, which which work very well on this paper. I'm happy with them. So I'm doing one in Creative Cats and then I'm doing one or two in another book and and then I go back to Creative Cats. I'm spacing it out so I don't get, you know, sort of like OD on cats. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with Marjorie Sarnett's books on cats. They are uh, books altogether. I've got quite a few of her different books and I absolutely love her style.
1: What senses have you tried so far in that test?
0: Uh, let's see now. I've done – I did – uh prismacolors was on the first page i've done have i got the book here that would help um sorry i'm just looking up to see if no i haven't i've got it in the bedroom because I, I color on that night time before bed um let's see i have done crayolas which was interesting i actually really enjoyed using the crayolas but you've got to keep in mind you just can't get the depth of color that you can with professional color pencils uh, what else? I have used, uh, uh, I've used, uh, a, an Australian brand called Kaiser Craft, which probably nobody knows about. It's a, actually a, um, uh, a shop that started here in Geelong and they do craft, uh, sort of, uh, stuff designed for crafting more, more so than art. And, uh, but the pencils are very nice. I've used Audi pencils. Um, their creative place range. I've used, uh, the Faber-Castell, um, classics, which is the kids range. Uh, I've used Lyra pencils and, oh, Derwin artist pencils and one more that I can't remember, sorry.
1: <laughs> and have you got, been surprised by any pencil?
0: Yeah, well the Crayola surprised me because I actually really enjoyed. It. I thought I was going to hate them and I didn't. I just I had to readjust what um, my goals for the type of picture I was going to create and after that I've just really enjoyed um playing with them. The one colour the one pencils that I've tried that I really don't like is the um, Derwent Colour Soft. And people love doing color soft, but I just, they're too crumbly to me, for me, and they don't layer very well, at least on the paper that I've used them so far. So I tried that in that book as well, and the picture came out beautiful, but it was terrible to try and color.
1: But normally do you mix different brands when you're doing a page? Not normally,
0: but if I am using a particular set of pencils and I find I want a particular colour that doesn't come with that set, well then I'll dig out a set that it, I can find that colour in and just um, use them. But as a normal, usual, as a usual rule, I just stick to the one set of pencils, the one brand of pencils when I'm colouring in. The exception to this, so, is um, when I'm using uh, alcohol markers with um the books so one of the the single sided books for example um uh let's think anything that comes from uh Amazon printed by Amazon and and also the uh the Dover line as well uh, the uh because they're single sided you can use alcohol markers on them and then I'll use a selection of different um pencils and gel pens and paint and anything else I want to throw on them
1: and I get very um multi-meter with it so but other than that I'll just stick to the the one lot do you have a lot of work in progress pictures going on or do you do one finish one at a time
0: ah now I did um now what was it sometime last year I calculated I had about 24 pictures in progress And then I decided enough's enough, this is crazy. So I listed them all out and a piece of paper and I went through and I did all of them bar two, just ticking them off as I went along. It was like that was my mission was to complete all these pictures. So now I have the the two leftover works in progress that I haven't finished and I've added to it uh, with two more. But normally if I start a picture, I'll finish it before I move on to another picture.
1: How do you feel about the fact that a lot of people in the community has started to color because of you and your videos? Um, oh, wow.
0: <laughs> um, humble, very um, happy that I could um, uh, show people uh, a hobby that was fulfilling and fun and not terribly expensive if you don't go nuts with pencils and or, and books like I have, but – yeah oh, actually that's it's really nice to know that there are people out there who have started coloring because of what they've seen me do and um, yeah I, I guess yeah it's it's a good feeling. <laughs> I'm sure there are other I'm sure there are lots of other um colorists that, that have also inspired people to start coloring though <laughs> it's not just me
1: <laughs> but how was it from the start when you saw other people copying your pages?
0: Um yeah I think I I think I've been attributed with the craze in using um Derwent Inktense ink tense pencils in um Lizzie Mary Cullen's book which is kind of fun now I think I remember reading somebody saying oh yeah you know who's responsible for that Peter Hewitt. <laughs> and I thought you know Derwent should really give me a financial kickback for that because I'm sure they've sold a lot of intense pencils because of my videos. <laughs> but uh no um as for seeing people um uh reproducing my work or using my work to inspire their own I, I-, I love it. It's good. I'm not jealous or you know I'm not going to uh, hoard my own colouring. I think this is. I do this for fun. I don't this do this for financial financial reasons or fame or anything like that. It's for fun. So if anybody wants to use my uh, ideas, go for it. <laughs> but you can't live on this. No, no, definitely not. Um, once upon a time, YouTube used to pay a lot more for um for uh, inserting adverts into your uh into your work. And now they've changed their policies and the amount of money you earn is greatly reduced. But even back, back then I wouldn't have earned, um, very much at all. It, it's just enough pocket money to kick over and buy new pencils and things. Really. It's not, um, enough to <laughs> do anything with.
1: But what is your regular job?
0: Oh, I'm a registered nurse. I work as an associate, uh, unit manager at um, a, a high-level care uh, facility for um, aged and disabled people, so I work night shift, I, I'm in charge of a 52-bed ward and I have three staff underneath me.
1: So when do you colour? um well not at work
0: <laughs> we're a little we're a little busy at work um even though it's night shift there's a lot oh uh an absolute ton of paperwork to do which I know the day girls don't have time to do so I pick up the slack with that a lot um when I color uh usually I like to color in the afternoons if uh because there's generally nobody about then um my husband's at work and my daughter's at work and my son's at school and my other son's moved out of home so uh, I like when the house is quiet or in the evenings after after tea if everything's been settled down um, I'll sit and colour for a couple
1: of hours before bed I saw somewhere on um, I don't remember where I read it that maybe Instagram that you had been on a colouring book meetup
0: oh yes ah now that's not my responsibility, uh, a wonderful lady called Jane in Geelong uh, created a Facebook page for our Geelong colourists. And um, early on in the, uh, the the lifetime of this uh, coloring page, uh, sorry, this Facebook page, uh, we all decided that we'd get together. So we had a meetup, just uh, the whole bunch of us turning up um, at a little cafe. In Warren Ponds, which is a suburb of Geelong. And, uh, we've been meeting every fortnight since. I think that's been going on for a couple of years now. There's about, there's a, there's the regulars. There's about six or seven regulars and then there's people who come and go. But they're, they're, we're kind
1: of like the, um,
0: the, uh, founding members of the colouring group.
1: So that's, that's great. So what are these, uh, meetups like?
0: Oh well, we uh, turn up at 10:30. We're currently meeting at um, the Warren Ponds Hotel and we s- just take out all of our colouring books. Uh, if anybody's got any new books, we show them around or any new uh, coloring supplies, we-, we mainly do pencil with that with this particular group and um, show- showing off uh, what our latest things that we've colored. and we sit around and chat and color. And then we'll have lunch together uh just order lunch and then go back to colouring and it usually wraps up around about 3, 3.30 in the afternoon. So it's a pretty long day. At present, I haven't been able to attend in the mornings because of other commitments with my family. But um, I hope to get back to doing the, the full, well, what does it work out to, about five five hours of um, this meeting, which is, which is great. It's so relaxing just to sit around and chat and colour with a bunch of friends.
1: I know I also been on colouring book meetups and it's so fun to meet colouring friends in real life. But how important is the is the digital community for you? Oh,
0: absolutely important. Um that's the reason that I um produce my videos and I do my blog posts because I feel like I've I feel like I've got thousands and thousands of friends all around the world that I've never met but are still my friends.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um you know, I want to I want to give to them, sort of like, let them see what I'm doing, share, because it's fun. One of the great things about colouring, it's a real community thing. You love to, you don't only colour it and sort of hide away, you colour it, you want to show people, you want to ask questions and find out what other people are doing and learn new techniques. So that's, that's what the colouring world, the online colouring world gives to me as well, because as much as I'm giving to people, I'm getting like five times more back you know, by Watching and listening to other colourists and uh, chatting to people. They sometimes they uh, email me asking for advice, and I'm happy to give it. When I haven't been able to do much of that over the last year, but I usually sit down and love to answer all those emails and uh, messages through Facebook and messages through um, YouTube. Just helping people out with um, what pencils they want to buy or um, how to colour a particular way. That that's all fun to me. <laughs>
1: You have colored for in colouring books for three years. Is it even possible for you to choose your three favorites so far?
0: Oh heavens.
1: <laughs> that
0: changes from hour to hour. Ah, uh, let me think. I coloured the curin in Kirby Roseanne's uh I'm particularly proud of that one. Uh, you can actually see that one um, uh, interesting side note. Paul Colwell, uh, who is uh, Sylvia Colwell's partner, and they run a uh, YouTube video series where they display other people's coloring works from their their group, and also they spotlight on different artists. Well, uh, I was spotlighted yesterday, so that was a lot of fun. So the place to see that picture completed is in that video. It's embedded in there. Now, my other two pictures that I'm most proud of, um, I think it would have to be the first forest double page spread in Enchanted Forest. I did that very early on, and I'm still quite proud of it. I love it. And my other favorite one, oh, goodness, um, this is hard. <laughs> Don't make me choose between my babies. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would have to say um, probably in Anamorphia, I did with the first book that Kirby Roseanne's produced, uh, he had a lot of pages where you had to add your own doodles into. And I spent a buttload of time uh, on the wave, well, I call it the wave pony page where you've got the horses coming out or the ponies coming out of the surf. And the first page is all done, and the second page is just drawn in the waves, and you have to add everything else. And I designed this whole plethora. I added four more ponies. I did a mermaid. I did uh, a girl on a surfboard. I did whales. I did cuttlefish. I did heaps. I uh, trying to imitate um the not imitate kirby style do it in my style but do it in such a way that it looked like it naturally flowed on from kirby's style and uh, i colored that in using colleen pencils and i love that one it's probably going to always be one of my top 10 (laughs) colourings. yep that's it, and if
1: I keep talking, I'll probably add another <laughs>
0: two dozen pictures onto that list. <laughs> but how do you
1: think about backgrounds? I have seen you have done a lot of beautiful backgrounds. What is your thoughts about backgrounds?
0: Now, I think, um, and this isn't a criticism at all of other colorists who are, are very much in the public eye, there, there is a, a lot of work done on backgrounds, and they're absolutely st- Stunning stuff, absolutely stunning. Uh, I'm blown away by some of the backgrounds that I've seen other colorists do and a little intimidated. Um, but I believe you don't always need a background. Um, sometimes you just want to color the picture. You don't want to spend time trying to color in the entire background. And, and I've learned a few shortcuts, like I can, certain books I can use watercolour for the background. I did one recently, which is on Instagram, of a goldfish from, well, I call it a goldfish because I coloured it in gold, in Dagdrama, which I did a watercolour background on. Also, Neocolour 2s so are a great way to, uh, do a fast background that looks pretty effective. Uh, but I've done a lot of backgrounds, which is just with the pencil, and that is a very long time, particularly because I like to layer, and sometimes I'll put six or seven layers on. If you're doing an entire background in uh, Joanna Bassford's two-page spread with six or seven layers of pencils, that takes weeks. <laughs> so sometimes when I'm doing those kind of pictures, I have to put them down and do something simpler without a background in between, just to uh, so I don't feel myself tightening up too much, uh, you know, creatively wise. So if the picture looks like it needs a background and if you're inspired to do one, do one. But don't feel pressured that you have to do And Sometimes you just color in the line art and have fun with that and produce something beautiful.
1: Where do you find inspiration for your coloring pages
0: or um, your art? Well, in general, from life really, uh, now that I am better, we're getting out a lot more and my husband and I, uh, we go out every weekend, both days, doing stuff. Uh, just lately, we've been doing uh, a lot of walking, a lot of hiking because that's good for my physical health and um, I love doing it anyway. So, from life, uh, from sometimes I see patterns or, you know, like a... A dress which has a certain colour scheme in it and I thought I really love that colour scheme those particular shades. I have been known to secretly photograph um, things in you know around the place which are or in shopping centres around the country just so that I can keep a record of the colour scheme that I can use on, on a page uh, and occasionally as I said if I want to challenge myself I do the um, the blind uh, sort of like uh, lucky dip for colors or i will look at uh different um uh, color palettes on uh, google them sort of look online for different color palettes until i find one that i think strikes me
1: something i'd like to try i know that contrasts is important if you want a picture to pop what is your definitely yeah what is your best advice for getting contrasts in a picture
0: Oh, this is an easy one. This is one anybody with a phone can do. Take it, get your picture in a nice light so you can get a good picture of it. Take a photo of it. Now go into whatever photo editing software you've gotten on, on your phone and turn it to grayscale. Now have a look. Is the picture look just as impressive grayscale or does it all look a bit bland and all the same shade of gray? And if it does, then you've got to go in there and you've got to lighten some areas and you've got to add a lot more dark areas to it. So that that is a technique that I I use. I don't need it as much nowadays. I can pretty much work out just by looking at the picture where I need to put darks and lights. But definitely take a
1: photo, turn it to grayscale and see what you think of it then. In one of your videos some quite a long time ago, you said that it would be fun to put together... Uh, your favorite pencils from different brands and do the mm-hmm. best off so which set do you think have the best greens greens now this is where the Faber-Castell
0: polychromos lets me down a little bit um i find their greens they every even in the same set of pencils different pencils will have slightly slight variations in their hardness and you can see this pretty clearly with the um, the Derwent – oh, goodness me, I did a review of it. It's another Derwent brand. They've released their Lightfast brand. It's the one previous to that. Oh, but yeah. But in that mm. one
1: – yeah. Not the Graffitis, no? The Pro Colour? No.
0: Pro Colour, thank you very much. Um, yes, the Pro Colours. You find that the, ver- the very pale colours are very, very hard, and yet some of the other colours are very soft, so there's a lot of variation there with the, um, the lay down. So I find with uh, Polychromos, their greens aren't so good. So I still use them and I still love them. But if I want to get more of a deep color in the greens, I will go for the um Carandoche Luminance pencils or I can get the, um, poly, the Faber-Castell, um, uh, what are they called? The Albrecht Dura pencils. Because they're greens, they're a watercolour pencil. Their, their cores are a bit softer, and I can use those greens and get a more satisfying layer if the um, Faber-Castell ones aren't working for me. So that's at times I will mix up the pencils a little bit, but most of the time, Faber-Castell uh, Polychromos come through for me.
1: But what set does have? Do you think has the best blues? Blues are Polychromos. I love the Polychromos blues. Um,
0: colour wise, actually, I didn't answer before your question with the best, um, greens. Colour wise, I adore the Derwin artist greens. In fact, I've, I think I've said before where my favourite, um, pencils, my dream set of pencils have the laydown of the, of the good soft polychromous pencils and the colour range of the Derwin artist pencils.
1: I have not tested the, the Derwent Artist, but I have seen your videos, and sometimes you ha- are using a pencil from that brand, and say that these you can't find in any other set.
0: <laughs> yes, that's why I dip, dip into the um, the Derwent Artist. Um, I'm, I have a seventy two set in a wooden box that my husband gave to me when he wasn't my husband, when um, we were dating. So they're uh, they they're getting on a bit, but they're still gorgeous. Uh, they're the Series 19 ones, so that's when um Derwin only had uh 72 set. Now they have a 120 set, and my son for my last birthday bought me the, the 120 mm-hmm. set. My eldest son, that is Ryan, bought me the 120 set, and I adore them. But they weren't designed for coloring books. They're designed for artists who use lots of layers on paper that's specifically designed for pencil artists, and that's where you'll get your best results. But I still love them and I'm still using my colouring books as well. And, and that they're the pencils that I've used for most of my life before I started getting all the other pencils. So they're the ones I'm most familiar with and most of my personal work are done with them.
1: But what pencils are shorter, shortest? Which ones do you use most?
0: <laughs> Polychromos, of course. They're the ones that I've, I think the cream I've replaced three times so far. <laughs> So, yeah, definitely the polychromous. I think for every um, picture of a different uh, type of coloring pencil I've used, there will be one more for the polychromous. There will be two more that I've done in polychromous.
1: (laughs) I have asked a lot of people, and a lot of people's answers that they're white are the shortest, but actually for me it's the cream too. What do you use the cream for?
0: The cream is a wonderful color to uh, lighten other colors without giving it that cold stark whiteness and cream doesn't tend to rob the color the original color of its color it just lightens it and that's what I like to use it for it's a more natural color pure bright white you don't see very often in reality I mean in in our modern world in office buildings and and such you'll see bright white things but If you look at, you know, vintage type houses or vintage shops or nature in general, you very rarely, if ever, will see white. And that's why I don't use it, Um, unless it's something that's, you know, really requires it. I tend to go for cream, which is more of a natural white that you'll find in nature. And if I'm coloring something that is white, say I'm coloring a white flower, I don't, I very rarely use white. What I use is a very light um, warm blue, uh, a, a sort of like a really light magenta pink, like a very light sort of like a powder powder pink sort of color, and a lemon yellow, and I will use those in combinations of layers to create uh, to create the shading in a white flower petal because those three colors together. you use them correctly will make a very natural looking flower where if you try to color a flower by doing gray shades you know shading things with gray you're going to look like you're coloring a dead flower it's not going to have much life to it but if you use those three colors um, in very light shades and you can even throw in a very light lilac if you want you'll get a more natural looking white a more vivid alive looking white
1: do you have any favorite coloring tools
0: yeah, um, uh, as I said, my favorite pencils are definitely the yeah. Polychromus pencils by Faber-Castell. The Derwent Inktense, definitely right up there. And my third favorite tool, which I don't often use in coloring books, is watercolor, which I have the – um, what's it called now? I've got two sets that I, I like to use. One of them is – uh, a Mungio 48 sets. You know, um the Prima Marketing co- uh, watercolour sets, palettes that come out. They're, they're, they're put out several more every year. It's little 12 palettes of different colours in it. And um they the colours in them are basically manufactured at the same plant as the Mungio 48 set. So instead of buying all these little tins of colors from Prima, though, mind you, they have more colors, they're a bigger selection. If you want a good basic set, this has got 48 colors in it, and it's called Mungio, and it's not very expensive. And uh, the other one I'm trying to think of, it's a British make as well. Um, Windsor and Newton, I got it. I like to use them as a base color. So I won't go very dark with them. I'll just color in a large area in just the base color. And once it's completely dry, I'll go back in pencils and pick up the highlights and the, um, and the shadows with the pencils. And that's a quicker way to color because you can get the watercolor down fairly quickly. Uh, if you're not, the, the only problem is if you're working over a large area, it's difficult to get a smooth result. So it's better for smaller areas.
1: Yes, because uh, watercolors in coloring books is not very easy. Uh, what are your best tips for when you're using watercolours in colouring books?
0: Okay, well, um test the paper is the first one. Some, uh, watercolour books are, some watercolour books, some colouring books are terrible with watercolour and you'll get bleed through and it'll sort of, it, 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 the lay down will be terrible. But so find the page at the back. I usually lose, use the last page in the colouring book or, uh, a lot of the, coloring books that I see now, for example, in um, Joanna Basford's latest one, World of Flowers, she's actually got a coloring page at the back, which you can, for testing, and so does Millie Marotta's books also have a test page at the back. So that's great. So you can throw all your mediums on there. It doesn't matter if you screw anything up, because it's not one of the pictures, you're just testing. So definitely test to start off with uh you don't want to use too much water and you definitely each layer let it dry before you put the next layer on because coloring book paper hasn't been sized it's not watercolor paper so it's not going to work like watercolor paper and you can very easily destroy the surface of the paper by supersaturating it with with water you've got to let it dry beforehand so that the fibers of the of the paper can sort of settle and mend back together again after being wet and that way when you put your next layer of color on you won't be ripping up the paper and destroying the texture Mm -hmm. so yeah definitely test and layers one layer at a time and let it dry in between
1: and what are your best coloring tips for people ah
0: well have fun for starters don't feel that you're in a competition with anybody else This is for you. This is your time. This is your de stress. This is your time to be creative. Pardon me, I've got a I'm just gonna take a little drip drink of water. I'm a bit hoarse. Thank you. Oh yeah. This is your time to be creative. You're not living up to anybody's standards. And it's impossible anyway, because no matter how good you are, there's always gonna be somebody better. So why are you worrying about it? so color to your level and to your satisfaction so that it works for you and if you want um to improve yourself then go look for the videos and go look for the tutorials etc and look what other artists are doing and and try what they're doing to see if that suits your style but uh, otherwise just have fun it's it's a hobby that's just supposed to be for fun so don't make it hard work for yourself treat it as fun
1: and and you'll enjoy it so much more oh I love your
0: tips. (laughs) No worries.
1: Thank you so much, Peter, for joining the podcast. Okay. Thank you very much for inviting me in. I've had a good time. It's been fun. Yeah. Done. (laughs) Done. So I. was... Oh, you are you are you are wonderful. I was
0: so nervous. You were? (laughs) I was. I was terribly nervous. That's why I was colouring in because I thought colouring will calm my nerves. (laughs) Yeah. What do what
1: have you coloured?
0: Oh, I've just been working on the beehive picture in Rita Berman's book, uh, her latest book, because I I love it. I've worked out, I sort of Googled um, uh, honeycombs and, you know, beehives, and I've got a really good series of pictures that I could, you know, base how to do a, a, you know, a honeycomb that the bees are walking Mm. on. So I'm working on that now. It's nice and
1: repetitive.
0: It's the same five colors over and over, and it's really, as I said, it's calming.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like perfect calming Mm -hmm. uh, coloring. But you were great. You were really, really good. And I'm going to edit this and I will upload it uh, next Saturday because I try to have one episode every week if I just have to. Thank
0: you very much, by the way. I wasn't aware there was a podcast on coloring and I've been binge listening to all your episodes now and just loving it. It's wonderful to listen to
1: while I'm coloring. (laughs) Yeah, that was my my um, goal i hope it would be the perfect company while you were coloring definitely
0: well you, you've <laughs> certainly achieved that it's it's, it's yeah, great
1: thank you it was great talking to you and thank you all for listening and goodbye bye bye